Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Now, later on in the hour, I really need to revisit the issue of how we can finally stop out-of-control parents from verbally assaulting, and in some cases, physically assaulting, our game officials. I mean, this is, the time has come to finally put an end to this. You know, in fact, even last night, I even appeared on uh, Fox's One Nation show to talk about this alarming trend. I'll tell you what I said to the host of that show, Brian Kilmeade, Uh, later on in the program. But look, this kind of nonsense has to finally come to an end. I mean, and my, my feeling about this, we really need to stop being so soft and so lenient on these offenders. And, and why has this become such a pressing issue, you say? Well, because the number of referees and umpires and game officials, the numbers are dwindling everywhere, all over the country. And the reason is, because the refs feel threatened by the parents at these games. I mean, look, can you imagine how how difficult it is to try and recruit new refs? <laughs> I mean, how's this for a sales pitch? Hey, would you be um, would you be interested in officiating a high school or or travel team game of kids? I mean, we pay you a few bucks for your time, and you'd you'd enjoy being around the kids. But you understand, of course, there's a there's a pretty good chance you will be verbally harassed by the sports parents at the game. And, yeah, you might even be attacked and beat up. I mean, really, that's, that's what it's boiled down to these days. Uh, obviously, I'm being facetious, but that's really the reality. I mean, you think I'm kidding? Did you know, for example, that the National Association of Sports Officials, I mean, there is such a, a body, it's been around for a number of years, the National Association of Sports Officials, or NASO, they even offer medical insurance to its members 
in case they are physically assaulted and hurt. Look, friends, this is just nuts. But that's for later on in the hour. First up, the issue of religion and a high school football coach's beliefs. Well, they, that, that dilemma was argued in front of the United States Supreme Court this past week. And while the high court won't hand down its decision for a couple of months, the issue in this case is worth talking about this morning. Now, let me tell you what took place, and I'm eager to get your thoughts and comments about this, because it's a bit tricky, simple as this. But as you'll hear, this is we all know about the term uh, basically to you know pay to play. This has become a case of pray to play. Here's what happened. In the lawsuit of Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, Joe Kennedy, a former public high school football coach out in Bremerton, Washington State, says that his First Amendment rights were violated because the public school that employed him ordered him to stop publicly kneeling and praying at the 50-yard line immediately after football games in which he was surrounded by, by players. And he did this in front of the stadium when people were still in the ballpark and, and on their way out. But again, they could see what was going on. Now, when he first started doing this, Coach Kennedy, he really didn't pray out loud. He just went to the 50-yard line, took a knee, and had a few moments of quiet prayer after the game. And he did his post-game prayer sessions for a number of years, and he prayed in silence. No words were ever said out loud. Okay, now, at first, only a few of the kids on the Bremerton football team would join him. But after a while, more and more of the players would follow the coach out to the middle of the field, and they would join in. And gradually, these post-game moments, well, they turned into Coach Kennedy leading Christian prayers to the youngsters on his team. And over a number of years, it became more and more of a bigger deal, and soon, Turns out not only were his players praying with him, but so were players from the opposing team. There were numerous parents on the field and so on. Now, the school district, Bremerton, and again, this is a public school district, they weren't blind to what was going on. And as a consequence, they they repeatedly offered uh, Coach Kennedy some alternatives, like perhaps uh, instead of praying on the field after the game, could you go up into the, the press box and, and pray there? Or uh, maybe you could wait until the entire stadium had fully emptied of all the, all the spectators and the other team had left. But besides these various alternatives, the coach said, no, I, I don't want to do that. I have a right to go to the 50-yard line after the game and, and say my prayers. He really felt that no one uh, was compelled, by the way, to follow him for the post-game prayer. The coach was very adamant about that. He said, certainly it was not mandated. I never said anything to the, the players that come out and join me. The kids came out on their own. And besides, he said, I was just practicing my own, you know, First Amendment rights, my own freedom of speech. But again, there were growing concerns. Lots of parents in the school district out in Washington State were alarmed by what was going on. And after all, in public schools, there are real lines that are drawn between religious beliefs and what teachers and coaches can engage in. And eventually, after several years of this, when Coach Kennedy's uh, contract with the school came up for renewal, he decided not to come back. Now, from a legal perspective on the issue of religion and public schools, the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, has ruled 
that school-led or school-sponsored prayers in a public school is against the law. And along those lines, it has barred public school teachers, for example, from, from leading their students in a short prayer at the beginning of the school day. Even if the teachers have said, look, you don't have to do this. Participation is up to you. It's optional. The, score does, the, the Supreme Court has also barred public schools from inviting clergy uh, to give religious invocations or benedictions at graduation ceremonies. Again, trying to keep the separation of church and state. Supreme Court also has, uh, ruled that a school's organizing of students to lead prayers at football games can also cross the constitutional line. In other words, there's quite a lot of legal precedent here on this issue. And I'll tell you, and friends, I want to talk about this and get your thoughts. And of course, we'll take your calls at 877-337-6666. Back in the day when I was in high school, and I went to Edgemont High School, which is a public high school in Scarsdale, New York, I very vividly recall that our head football coach leading the entire team in a recitation of the Lord's Prayer before every game. This was done routinely, and as far as I know, no one on the football team ever complained. But again, that was a long, long time ago. Now, this current case, which quite frankly, in my mind, reflects the times in which we live, it was pointed out that teenagers are are especially susceptible to pressure. And if a high school football coach, who was, by all regards, well-respected, well, if he decides to go to midfield after a game to pray, and some of the football players follow, well, don't be surprised if more and more of the other players will follow as well. In fact, one team member on this football team out in Washington State in Bremerton, kid says he's an atheist, but he felt forced to go and pray with the coach, because he explained, this kid said, he felt worried that if he abstained from these uh, post-game prayer sessions, coach might disapprove and thus cut down on the kid's playing time. And so the kid, you know, basically said, I'm going to go out with the rest of my teammates and take a knee and pray with the coach. In other words, we've all heard of pay-to-play, as I said. This is becoming an issue of pray-to-play at this high school out in Washington State. Now, this is a an interesting perspective, if one player, if just one player feels some sort of peer pressure to conform, then I think we can also assume that other kids in the team are feeling the same kind of pressure. Why? Because, look, they want to play. They don't want to fall out of favor with the coach and, and risk losing playing time. Look at the, try to envision this. A bunch of these kids go out in the football team, go out after the game and pray with the coach on the 50-yard line. But there are other kids on the sidelines who don't go out. You think that's not going to be noticed by the other kids or the coach? Let's talk about this. What do you think? I mean, basically, these are the issues. Should this football coach have the right to do his post-game prayer sessions? Or is the school district correct to try and get him to move his sessions to other venues? That, That his prayer sessions gave the appearance of basically pressuring the football players to join in. Or... From the coach's perspective, was he just following his his right of free speech? Isn't he allowed to be a person of faith in public? And as such, that the school district really had no reason to interfere? After all, this was after the game. It wasn't before the game. It was after the game. Now, some of you might recall that some years ago, the legendary high school football coach Marcus Borden at East Brunswick High over in New Jersey, he used to lead his team in a pregame prayer 
And he did it for many years. Again, a public high school where the football coach led the players in a prayer. And again, the difference might be that Coach Borden did this before the games, not after. Okay, I want to talk about this and get some thoughts because I think this is a curious case. And as I said, the Supreme Court, this case got up to the Supreme Court. And Coach Kennedy, you know, he stopped coaching at Bremerton High School a few years ago. But he feels his rights have been violated. He did nothing wrong. But again, the question of church and state in a public high school is kind of key here. When I come back, I'll tell you what happened, by the way, with Coach Borden when he sued on similar grounds to what Coach Kennedy is now arguing in front of the United States Supreme Court. 877-337-6666. Back with more after this. Talking this morning here about this lawsuit that has reached all the way to the United States Supreme Court. It's focusing whether an assistant high school football coach in a public school district could hold a post-game prayer session. Uh, and, you know, I, when I first heard about this case, uh, as I mentioned before the break, it reminded me of a similar situation from the early 2000s when Marcus Borden, uh, the longtime high school football coach at East Brunswick High School in New Jersey, he used to lead his entire team in a pregame prayer. Now, he was told by the school district to stop doing that, and if I recall, he agreed to do that, but then he eventually sued, claiming that his right of free speech had been violated. Uh, we even actually covered this case on, on the Sports Edge back in the day. In any event, I went back into the records, and here's what I found regarding the, the Borden case, that back in April of 2008, a federal appeals court ruled that the public school district in East Brunswick, New Jersey, had not violated Coach Borden's constitutional rights. Uh, and even though he had been the head football coach at the high school since 1983, uh, he's saying that, you know, he, he's done this for years, leading the team in a, in a pregame prayer, that, you know, this basically uh, had violated his rights to free speech. Um, in any event, the, uh, the judge from the United States Court of Appeals for the Third, Second, uh, Third Circuit, uh, Judge uh, D. Michael Fisher, wrote in his opinion that, quote, the conclusion that we reach today is clear because Coach Borden organized, participated in, and led prayer activities with his team on numerous occasions for 23 years. Now, Borden's lawyer then appealed uh, this verdict uh, to the United States Supreme Court, but in 2009, the Supreme Court decided not to hear the case, which basically upheld the decision to not allow Coach Borden to either, to, uh, not allowed to let Coach Borden lead his team in prayer ever again. So, look, there's always been a line between public schools, teachers, and coaches when it comes to allowing prayers in the school district, uh, but that may change, though, with this case from the state of Washington involving uh, this former coach, Joe Kennedy. 877-337-6666. This is interesting stuff. I mean, have, I mean, the question is, what, what would you say or do if your son or daughter came home from a, a, a game or a practice one day at their public high school and they told you that their coach led them in a prayer? Or when the game was over, one of the assistant coaches held an impromptu prayer session. Would your, kid, would your kid feel pressured to go out and join that coach and the rest of the team? Again, interesting stuff. Let's start our calls this morning with Hank and Glenn Cove. Hank, good morning. You're first up on the fan. Good morning. It's uh, great to talk to you, listen to your show every Sunday, and thank you for hitting on these very important topics. Thanks, um, Hank. You're welcome. Now, I was a public school 
um, employee for many years, so this was something that it hit very near and uh, dear to the heart yep. and have experienced it. Uh, I like to think of it from the standpoint of the bigger picture where not just from the prayer, but when you're talking about even a teacher standing up and giving a political viewpoint, that's not allowed in the schools either because that's not the environment where I'm supposed to espouse my beliefs or my political views. Mm-hmm. So it sounds it sounds like that with this coach, even though it had been allowed for a long time, it was one, the school district tried to do something to say for your own personal benefit or your own personal views. We'll give you a private place to do it after the game so you can practice your own but it was the public display of it and the leading of it that I think was the biggest concern and being in the open. So if it was a, if it, for the coach, if it was about his own belief, then instead of it being that it had to be a public type of display, then that might have been a different outcome if they had said, no, we're not going to do it. I also look at it as what if I'm a teacher and I'm going down the, uh, I start every one of my classrooms with a prayer or walk down the hallway and say, oh, you know, it's my right to stop at any point and kneel and say a prayer in the middle of the school. As you said, the courts have ruled you can't do that. Correct. And so, therefore, therefore, we have to abide by that as members of the schools, which we are public employees. Hank, you make you really do a nice job here, sort of distilling the the issues here. And I've just said you've been a you you were a teacher or coach, I guess, in the public school for a long time, so you know what the rules are. You know, looking at this from an outside perspective of this coach, well, okay, if if his if he feels that his religion, his prayer is so essential, you know that you know he wants to make sure that um, he, he expresses his views. As the school district tried to accommodate him, as you pointed out, they said to him, can't you go, instead of going to the middle of the field directly when the game ends, couldn't you go into a, uh, uh, an area of the, of the stadium or the field where it's not so obvious to everybody you're doing this, or go into a press box, or wait till everybody leaves the ballpark, because we're not trying to say you can't have your right to, to pray, um, but the question is, do you have to make it in such a public, uh, you know, uh, exhibition? And he said, you know, in effect, he's arguing, no, I don't have the right as, as a person to, 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 to display my religion in public. So it's a tricky situation. And obviously the school district has tried, I guess, to have said, try to accommodate him. But, I, you know, um, yeah, this is getting very, very complicated. Well, I, I also look at it as, Let's take your position as a broadcaster. I am sure there are certain guidelines that your employer has said that when you get on to the airwaves or even the FCC has said that based on your position, there are certain things you can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. And so if you go and violate those, you are jeopardizing your employment because those are the rules. That's what's been that down as what is acceptable. So I, I, I understand the gentleman's feeling because my child, um, and I actually, I, many, many years ago when I was in North Carolina, that's where I lived, mm-hmm. I went to a private school 
where it was um, it was a Christian academy, and every event, every class, every day started off with prayer. Every uh, athletic event started off with a prayer and the and the national anthem. And so, did I did I find that important for me? Yes, and did my parents, but they found a place where that could be done. And my, for my child, we found a place where that could be done. And the public schools, the rules are different. Correct. And it can't just be, well, this is my, this is my right. Well, your right does not extend completely into that public school because the public school has to follow the guidelines and the laws that they've been given. Yeah, I mean, I, again, uh, you've done a nice job here, Hank, of outlining this. There are, you know, um, public schools are de facto public schools, and there are rules and regulations, as you point out. If you want your child to go to a, a parochial school, uh, well, the rules are different there. And, you know, you have the right, and that's your, that your freedom to do that as to how you want to raise your, your son or your daughter. But it is different in public schools, and as we've heard, and, and Hank, thanks, thanks so much for the call. Very much appreciate it. I'm going to get some other calls here as well. But the fact of the matter is there is a whole sort of uh, bunch of legal precedent in which we say, look, we've got to maintain certain, certain rules and, and sort of guidelines when it comes to teachers, coaches in our public schools. It's as simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Joe in Asbury Park. Hey, Joe, good morning. You're on the fan. How you doing? Good, Joe. Um, I think it's an interesting, tricky scenario. I think before the game is a little bit, my son plays baseball and soccer in high school. I think before the game, you're more organized and sort of required to be there and involved i think after the game is a little different um you know there's tricky scenarios um that you know the game's over kids are going off unless required sometimes my son's team has to stay around for an after game uh meeting right. um that can get tricky but i know some football games are a little different where maybe they're they're leaving the field to go into the locker room and at that point if some want to gather um and and do a prayer. Um, that doesn't seem difficult. And I, I their the response in Bremerton seems a little, uh, a little uh, unclear because they say, okay, you can't do it on the field, but you could do it in another school location. Well, that would seem to be just as wrong if it's wrong, right? Um, the only thing I wanted to say is we. I used to live in Maplewood, and we had a couple legal actions. You may have recalled years ago there was an atheist parent who sued the district about having religious songs sung at the holiday concerts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, I don't know how high the court, I think it at least went to the state Supreme Court. They said you cannot sing religious songs. I guess that mentioned religion or God. You could sing Frosty the Snowman and that kind of thing. And that ruffled a lot of feathers. People said it's a, it's a group that is a school group, the school choir or orchestra, but it was a volunteer activity after school and at night usually. But I believe it still holds, and um, they still have to follow it. Meanwhile, at the same time, when the city, the township committee, our city council there, has them, I mean, they have meetings, regular meetings. They don't have a prayer, but when they have the, you know, the New Year's Day uh, swearing in of new members and reorganization meeting, they always have a prayer. Well, and they me... often will have different <laughs> people. They'll have a priest. They'll have a rabbi. They'll have a Muslim uh, imam. But it's still a religious event at a public 
event uh, for this public agency, so I don't know what what the answer is. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, You know, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with prayer. Everybody agrees that prayer is a good thing, okay? But to your point, um, suppose a kid gets hurt in a football game, and the kid's on the field and is in serious pain and is seriously injured. A lot of a lot of times, the the other players, the kids on the team, teammates, they sort of get around the kid and say a, an impromptu prayer. I mean, is that not allowed? I mean, like, I mean, yeah. it's just it, you can see how this gets sort of deeper and deeper and out of control. Um, to your points, is yeah, I mean, this is people get very very hypersensitive about these things. Um, I, it, it, you can make a case that the Bremerton uh, school district, the school board, try to accommodate this this coach's. I mean, the coach is very sincere about his religion. I mean, there's no question about that. And you know, the question is, well, all right, fine, we we accept that, but why do you have to do it in the middle of a of a of the 50 yard line right after the game? Can't you do it somewhere else? After you know, we're not saying don't do it, don't pray, but you understand, you're putting inadvertent pressure on the rest of the kids on the team who normally would not figure they want to have to pray because they're afraid that if they don't accommodate or they don't basically move what you're doing and join the team prayer that the kids say in effect that might be held against them by the coach because the coach is aware of the right. kids and, and i'm just the last word i'm very uh church and state separation okay. as religious as i am um and it it is a it is an issue where if you're feeling pressured that is not proper absolutely but you have to look at is the coach really pressuring anyone or are they just feeling the pressure and maybe it's their, you know, how they take it versus I, how I hear it's put you. forth. Every kid is different, uh, and, and I, hey, listen, i got to take some calls. Thank you for your, your call this morning, your contribution. Uh, apparently, uh, in the last couple of years that the coach was doing this, this, this post-game prayer became a big, big deal, where now, as I said, uh, many of the kids on the team, also kids from the opposing team joined in. Uh, there were parents who joined in. There was media coverage. This was becoming a big, big deal. Um, and, in fact, uh, I read in one account that uh, one of the opposing coaches from a different teams said to uh, to Joe Kennedy, he said, it's amazing you've got the school district here to allow you to do this. Uh, so clearly, <laughs> people were aware of what was going on. The question is, is was this the right thing to let happen? Let me go quickly to uh, Andrew out in Stony Brook. Hey, Andrew, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so I've been sitting here listening to the last two callers, and I think they both make uh, you know various good points. Yes. I think that uh, the first call I mentioned, you know, comparing it to uh, politics and teaching politics in school, which I think is a good argument. Obviously, personally, I think there should be, you know, no place for politics. And when you look at it in that light, I think he has a good argument that it shouldn't be allowed. Now that, uh, you know, the verdict has come down and stuff like that, the rules are the rules. If you're going to be a teacher, you know, you got to follow the rules. Otherwise, you know. You assume that risk if you're going to go against the rules and losing your job and everything that comes with breaking the rules as they are. Yeah, I, I, the, the public schools are pretty clear about this, uh, Andrew. You know, there are rules uh, as you have to follow. you got to stay, you know, stay in your lane. Um, and sometimes I know, uh, you know, my wife uh, was, was a public school teacher for many years. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you have to stay within your lane because uh, you are teaching uh, uh, kids from all different backgrounds and, and uh, they're all different beliefs and so on and so forth. So you've got to stay in your lane. You, you, get a lot of, you have your own personal thoughts and opinions, of course, and religious beliefs, but you really can't espouse those in the classroom. That's not, that's not the forum for that. That's the problem. Correct. 
I think that uh, right now the bigger topic of the discussion is is the court right? Is should this you know obviously be allowed or should it not? Now, I played sports my whole life, you know, multiple teams, multiple sports, and I personally have never seen a problem with it. But that being said, I'm probably biased, you know, growing up religious. But I think as a team player, sometimes, you know, they're, I don't want to say they're sacrifices because when it comes to religion, I know it's a touchy subject. Yep. I think if a coach is, you know, mandating it, which it doesn't sound like this is the case, which, you know, mandated or not, it's a very slippery slope with how, you know, you articulate that or what type of meeting you're having. But, you know, coaches have pasta parties. Co- coaches have, you know, off-field events, take teams bowling or, you know, camaraderie building stuff. Yeah, but and that's that's different. I mean, this as you just said, the point is, if the coach had said this is mandatory, I want all the players to come out uh, after the game for this uh, this prayer session. Um, if he said it's mandatory, I don't think anybody would have would have said uh, that's okay. I mean, I, I think he would have been brought into the athletic director's office and said, "This is a public school district. You can't make prayer mandatory. Goodbye." You know, Correct. Correct. You can go pray by yourself, uh, you know, on the parking lot or in your car, but you can't mandate that the players have to join you and he didn't do that he said i went up by myself uh and he the first few times he did this apparently he he went by himself and he took a knee at the at the middle of the field and eventually some other kids some kids who obviously were uh were curious and perhaps religious themselves joined him and began to build and build and build but there was certainly a, a pocket of kids who said i don't know what's going on i don't sure i want to do that and that's how we got to this point so, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it is tricky stuff, and I tell you, this is why it's now, it was just argued, uh, oral arguments were heard by the United States Supreme Court, and we'll see how they rule in this. But, uh, hey, let me take a break. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. You know, this is, again, as we've heard, these have been just uh, excellent calls this morning. This is tricky stuff, and uh, it's not that we want to be so cerebral on the show, but sometimes you just want to sit back and say, yeah, what, what are the rules? What is the right thing to do? Are coaches allowed to have a, a freedom of speech uh, and, you know, obviously freedom of religion? And, and, you know, nobody got hurt here, but the question is, was he doing something that, that inadvertently was having uh, a negative impact or influence on on the, on the kids on the team. Uh, that's the question here. So we'll be curious to see how this gets resolved with the Supreme Court rules. Simple as that. All right, let me let me just say this. Moving on, I do want to before we run out of time this morning. I do want to revisit this uh, very very alarming trend that there are just fewer and fewer refs and umpires and game officials working our kids' games. And and again, the reason why is because of the constant totally unnecessary harassment in terms of verbal and physical abuse from spectators of the games and it's usually of course the sports parents who somehow i guess for lack of a better way of saying this somehow feel a sense of entitlement when it comes to displaying their obnoxious behavior now again this just has to finally stop some of you may have seen me on fox news last night uh, brian kilmeade's uh, one nation show his producers had called me this past week to come on to discuss why this trend is happening and, more importantly, how we can put an end to this. And I got some thoughts and comments, and I want to get your thoughts as well, but I do think the time has come to take a very serious stand about this because, you know, if you don't have the refs or the umps or the officials, there's no game. 
And we're very, very close to that happening. And I do have some thoughts I want to share with you. All right, 877-337-6666. When I return from this commercial break, let's talk about this. It's really getting out of control. And in the end, it's our kids who are the ultimate victims when there are no games. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, of course, you can always find me at AskCoachWolf.com, my website, and you can follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf. We're talking right now about we really need to take some serious action to cut down on the parents, spectators who are verbally and physically assaulting referees, like the mom a couple of weeks ago who waited in the parking lot to punch an umpire in the face after a softball game of 12-year-old girls. Now, the umpire suffered serious broken bones in her face and a major black eye. That's a physical attack. And look, let's be honest here. We know that it's become something of an American tradition for parents to be loud, obnoxious, and aggressive at our kids' games. That has to stop. And for example, did you even know that uh, there are general laws uh, in existence regarding assault and battery of referees and game officials? I mean, in about 20 states, there are laws on the books that are designed to specifically protect refs and umps. But for the most part, these laws are not well known to the general public, so I really do question as to how effective they are. As I, I mentioned last night on, on, uh, to Brian Kilmeade uh, on Fox's One Nation, the school districts and the leagues, they finally have to step up on this issue. Uh, yet, look, I know we have some signs at our athletic fields that say, let the kids play, let the coaches coach, let the refs ref. And there's also sometimes an announcement at the start of the game reminding parents to behave. But look, that's all fine, but it doesn't go far enough. We really need to emphasize to the spectators and parents that the school or the league fully embraces a zero-tolerance policy. That is, if you are really obnoxious, using profanity, or harassing the refs or umps, then you will be told, not just asked, but you will be told to leave the game immediately and you will be escorted out. Plus, parents, you don't, you don't need, you don't need a, a warning on this. There's no reason for an adult, an adult, to be given a second chance in this kind of environment. Adults, fully grown adults, should know how to behave at a kid's game. Now, again, you all know I'm a big believer in zero tolerance. USA Hockey uh, has a zero tolerance policy, which is very effective. It allows the refs on the ice to literally stop the game at any point, point out the offending spectator or parent, a sports parent, uh, to the coaches, and then the loudmouth is escorted from the rink. It's as simple as that, and it's very effective. So why can't this be done at other sporting events? I mean, look... I, I just also would add that if a parent is kicked out of a game, then that parent is also banned banned from attending any more of your kids' games for the rest of the year. Is that drastic? Well, maybe it is. But we're at a major crisis at this point when it comes to having refs. A recent survey showed that more than 60% of the refs who quit said the main reason was because of the parents. Now, look, I know money and school budgets, they're always tight, but you're going to need to have either a professional security guard or even a local police officer in attendance and clearly apparent at all your games. Just to remind spectators that if they're out of control or even think about trying to attack a referent, then they, they'll be immediately arrested and charged with a crime. 
All right, let's get some calls about this because you can tell I'm pretty heated up about it. But I'm telling you, this is getting really out of control. Let's go to uh, North Carolina. John is standing by. John, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I actually called about the when you were talking about the religion and the, and the prayer. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I wanted to say about that, if I can go back to that for one sure. second. Go ahead. Was uh, It seems a little two-faced. Like when I was in Catholic school, we prayed every day. When I went to public school and high school... And the coach said a prayer, you either joined in, you had a choice, or you didn't join in. But like the public schools, they give you a week off for Christmas, religious reasons. They give you a week off at Easter for religious reasons. But yet you can't say a prayer if the coach wants to say a prayer. <laughs> Seems a little two-faced. Uh, you know, we don't have enough time or enough uh, enough scope to go through a whole a whole ex uh, examination, John, of, of uh, religion versus non-religion in public and private schools. But I hear what you're saying. And, you know, this coach out in Washington State said, this is not mandatory. It's optional. Nobody has to follow me out to the middle of the field. And he, he believes that. So, you're, you know, you're, you, your perspective certainly is uh, it makes sense. No question about it. So, John, let me move on to some other calls. Thank you for chiming in. Let's go over to, uh, let's go to uh, Louie out in Lindbrook. Louie, good morning. You're next up on The Fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good, Louie. Uh, How are you doing? All right. Good. Uh, I think the point that I want to make is that uh, I believe there should be a moment of silent reflection, maybe 20 seconds to give to the, to the team. Yep. And the, the coach can uh, tell the players that uh, – he could he could bring good points all in silence. There is nobody that's going to get in trouble for that. That's an interesting suggestion, um, and I'm hardly a constitutional lawyer, and, but I, I think a moment of quiet meditation might be a way to go, that a coach might say to his team or her team that uh, I can't do a prayer, but uh, if you want to take a moment just to, to reflect – um, in your own way, I guess that might be acceptable, but I don't know because obviously this is all going to be, you know, uh, litigated by the Supreme Court. Um, but again, doing that, a moment of, of, of quiet solitude or of quiet meditation, that doesn't in any way sort of espouse or try to influence any kid that they have to take a moment. And if the kid is an atheist, then he doesn't do anything or he's just, you know, fine. Just, I'm just going to sit there and be silent for 20 or 30 seconds. I don't, I don't think too many people are going to get in trouble for that. And uh, words are very powerful. Yeah. You have to be careful what you say. All these coaches, when they pray to God, they pray to whoever. Uh, the issue is you're, you're making a moment that can be very difficult in that you could put yourself in a sticky situation. Now you can't get out of it. Well, Lou, let's face it. Public schools uh, are, are meant to be – uh, they, they have all sorts of kids from all different backgrounds. Uh, they have the melting pot, uh, you know, different ethnic backgrounds. This is, that's the beauty and the attraction of having kids uh, in our public schools because, you know, you want to make it open and fair and, and, and democratic and, and uh, you don't want to show any kind of influence or, or, I don't know, favoritism to a certain religion or a certain ethnic group. So that's what it's all about. Uh, it's a little different, as we said. If you if you opt to go to a, a, a parochial school, um, then that's different. But public schools, they got to maintain a really very clear, fair, and evenly balanced kind of approach. Otherwise, because you said, coaches, um, they run the risk of getting in serious trouble. They have to stay within their lane and, and, and abide by the rules, the mandates that the public school district puts down for them. 
You know? Yeah, coaches coaches can lose their jobs in uh, in some of the words that they use. Oh, they absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, high school coaches, uh, for the most part, they're, they're, they work on year-to-year contracts. There's no tenure for coaches, so you have to be careful because uh, uh, if you don't, as I say, uh, abide by the, the mandates of the school district, yeah, they could say, you know, you didn't do this the right way, and so um, goodbye. Lou, thanks for the call. Let me move All on. Right, let me, let me uh let me move on to uh, Jack Smithland, uh, and I guess we have more time to talk about these issues because they're two big, important issues this morning. But, Jack, uh, good morning. What, what do you think about all this? Well, you know, Rick, the topic is very good, but here's, here's the situation. Even when Colin uh, Kaepernick uh, took a knee, yep. there were rules that that team applied, and he wasn't following the team rules is what, what they really got to him about. And, you know, the coach going to the middle of the field to pray – you know, was he looking for attention? There's so many different things on this topic. And, you know, but it comes down to this, rules. And you know what? It's very, very closely related to your ne- your second topic, which I don't think you're going to have a lot of time to talk about. But I love the <laughs> fact that you keep bringing But I love the fact that you keep bringing it up. Listen, we all pray to God. I don't know. My God doesn't listen to me most of the time. But we all pray to, to God. We all have different religions. But if there's a rule... And our public school system separates politics and education and church and state. And that's their rules. Either you follow their rules or you leave. That's, it's, it's that simple. With the parent situation, you and I feel the same thing about this, and we're both very passionate about it. Okay? I lived it for many, many years. It caused me problems, parents, and stuff like that. But there are rules. And here's the problem. We don't abide by the rules because we don't bring down the consequences that should apply to breaking those rules. And, and when you think about it, Rick, the solution is this. Get stern, get strict, and even get nasty about it. Because if somebody breaks the rule, prosecute them. Make the punishment something that they're going to learn from. You know, you never want to, I have people, friends of mine, coaches, you know, well, the parent's going to act up, get rid of the kid. No, you don't ever do that. You never punish a kid because of a psycho parent. You can't, you know, you punish the psycho parent. And the way to do it is exactly what you've been talking about. You need to prosecute them and you need to put them in jail, find them, make them think twice before they ever, ever act up at a game again. And well, that's what it is. I mean... I, I mean, I. The church uh, topic was great, Rick. Great topic. topic. uh, I I will tell you this that um, not only, and of course, you and I feel the same way about this because we're getting to a situation where it's, I mean, uh, as uh, Ed Ward called in last week or so and said that, you know, in New Jersey, more and more of the high school baseball games only have one umpire because that's all they can find because there's just such a, a steep decline in number of umps and, and refs and, and officials to work the games. And quite frankly, yeah, who'd want to take a risk of getting beaten up by some, uh, as you say, some psycho parent? I mean, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And, and I, I don't understand why, as again, I come back to the sense of the word adult, grown-up. You don't need to have a second chance or a third chance or to be warned you should know how to behave at your kids' games. And if you can't do that, yeah, you should be prosecute, prosecuted uh, to the point where the word spreads throughout your community 
sort of other parents who also have obnoxious tendencies sort of say, gee, that guy, uh, you know, he, he went nuts at his kid's game, and they arrested him, they put him in jail, uh, he's been banned for the rest of the year from going to the, end of the kid's games. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. I get all that, but, but <laughs> eventually, if we turn this around, you know, you're going to have a situation where it gets everybody benefits. I mean, everybody's going to learn how to behave. You don't give them a second chance. Um, and I, I, I do believe that because we're at a point now, like there's nothing worse than, and Jack, you've, you've been a coach for, you know, over four decades. There's nothing worse to have, a, you know, kids, you know, get ready for a game uh, against an opposing team, and suddenly there's no umpires there or there's no referees. I mean, there's no game. I mean, that's, and that's what we're looking at right now. That you talked about at all the fields, and people have to understand this. And the other day, um, our head coach, Ashley Martinez, we were doing a scrimmage, and she said, um, who has the guts to go out and go back behind the plate and umpire? <laughs> well, me, the crazy person that I am, I said I would, but here's the problem with that. You know, every time you call a ball, half the people hate you and half the people love you and vice versa. Yeah. So, listen, the, the situation is this. The rules are there. Let's start punishing these crazy people for acting inappropriate and do it to the point where, you know what? They will never, ever do it again. That's I agree. It. And also, Thank we'll send, you, thanks, Jack. And we'll send a, send a warning to all the other parents who may be tempted to say, I better think twice about losing my temper and being out of control at my kids' sporting events. All right. Good stuff this morning, uh, and I thank you all, as always, for calling in with your great comments and insights. My thanks, as always, to the Zoo Man, Ed Arzuman. Mark Melusis, he's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.